0: Pentecost Sunday. What is up Transformation Church? It's so good to be with you online again. I can't wait till we meet in person. We're going to be gathering soon. June 14th is our day to meet. I can't wait. I miss you so much. we got a, a small live audience here. Thank you guys for being here today and uh, just so proud that uh, we can worship together and kind of lead the way uh, for our church coming back in here and and regathering together again, I just want to say this on the heels of that song and just Pentecost Sunday, we're going to go into a message real quick uh, here in a minute. And, and you know, we've been doing a, a two-part series that's been pre-recorded we, from 2018 on depression and mental health. And and I, I just think that um, there's there's a point that I want to make in connection to all of the the pain and the and the prejudice and the hatred and the division that we've been seeing. Um, caught on tape, caught on video with brothers and sisters around this, this nation uh, that have been experiencing great uh, pain, prejudice and, and really seeing the murder of our brothers and sisters in the streets of our nation that's supposed to be a free nation. And I, I just want to take a minute and speak to it as a church, as your pastor, as your leader. I put some things on social media and uh, but I want to use this platform and I just kind of doing this, I wasn't planning on doing this but I want to use this platform that God's given me a small platform to communicate to you who we are and what we believe as a church, and I think the actions that we're going to continue to take going forward. Um, I believe that the church, uh, when we're talking about depression and suicide and mental illness, the reason we did the series was was one one thought was that no one should have to suffer in silence. And and for too long the church had been silent and and out of the conversation of mental health and. And, and mental illness and disease and suicide or mental illness and suicide. And, and too long have we not talked about that and people were suffering in silence. So we did that series. And again, right now, I think a lot of people are dealing with that in their life, being uh, in quarantine and, and COVID and the, and the unknown of the future. And so we're, we're speaking on that again. But I wanna say this, when it comes to raci- racism and, and hatred and division and prejudice, um, too long, have people, our brothers and sisters, had to suffer in silence too long? Has um, whether it's the African American community or Hispanic community or the the communities of color in our nation had to suffer in silence? And specifically, looking at what's happened with our African American friends around the country just recently, losing their lives. I mean, come on! In a free nation, and I, I don't I don't think that we can be silent from our platforms as as white pastors or white politicians or white leaders. And and I've never been silent in our church. And I never, I never will be. And I don't know, I might lose friends. I might lose followers. I might lose members or whatever that looks like. I don't care. Jesus did the same thing. Jesus showed up, confronted prejudice, confronted racism, confronted inequality, confronted injustice. And, and, and he did something about it. He gave his life for and so I'm willing to give my life and I think that we as believers need to give our lives for what's happening and we can no longer say oh that's a, a, a hit, an issue of the past and that's an issue of the individual no it's an issue of society and um, we need to speak up so, so the reason I'm saying this today going into a a message on mental health is because this this is a mental health issue as well. Like racism is a mental health issue, prejudice is a mental health issue. It's a it's a divide when people have to suffer in silence. It's a mental health issue. We're all connected, arm in arm. And if our brothers and sisters are in mourning, then we're in mourning. Then we're all hurting together. And so this is a nation that it shouldn't be so. And and so I just want to say that we're going to speak to it and continue to to build forward there's hope for the future and i want to say this to 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 my african-american brothers and sisters i want to say this to our church you know a lot a lot of times it'd be easy for our brothers and sisters who come to a a a church that's multicultural with a white pastor a lot of their friends and family go oh well you go to a church with a white pastor they don't get those issues I, i don't get those issues I don't understand all that, but I'm willing to actually grieve and have a conversation and build connection and build relationship and build communication. And I would say to the white members of our church, you need to build conversations and relationship and you need to grieve with your with your brothers and sisters that are grieving right now and, and understand what they're going through and the pain that they're suffering and the grief that they're walking in. And, and it's easier for you to critique about rioting and looting and say all that and go, oh, well, look at that crap. Listen to me. If you didn't have any outlet or any way to vent your deep year, years and years and years of frustration and isolation and you had to suffer in silence without any help to be able to, to speak out, you would probably vent in an unhealthy way also. And so I just, I just want to say, look, I'm not condoning let, you know, things that are against the law, but I'm saying I can understand that if there's no outlet to communicate and to talk and to move forward and to progress, then there's an unhealthy vent that's going to take place. And so, my prayer when I even heard about Mr. Floyd, when I heard about what happened, when I saw that, my prayer was Holy Spirit, let us be loud enough in the right directions. us to use the spiritual language in the right direction so all cultures can hear the voice of God in their own language And so I pray that you would open your heart up if you have prejudice, racism if, if you have just biases that you would check them, check your heart dig deep, if you've said things and, and you've made excuses and you've thought oh well this is not my issue it is, it's our issue, it's your issue and I think that we in this generation can actually make a greater difference than, than ever before. And I, I think the Holy Spirit is moving in a powerful way that enough is enough. And I think as we stand up and God's church stands up and God's people stand up and, and people uh, uh, of, uh, you know, people, white people stand up. Come on, listen to me. I, I, don't, I don't think we can just, rel- if, if a whole community of people are being oppressed and hurt, and, then there has to be somebody that can actually speak up for them, right? so what I want to say is this, and we're going to get into the word today, and I want you to open your heart up to the word. But what I want to say is this. Transformation Church and our church is, is a place of safety. It's a place of conversation. It's a place of family. It's a place of community. It's a place of questions. It's a place of no judgment. It's a place where brothers and sisters can grieve and have conversations and not be judged. It's a place where we can put the, the words into the atmosphere and actually begin to heal and talk and to be God's people. And I think that's heaven on earth. I think that's, that's, that's Christ's mantra and mission. And so I, I love you so much. I, I'm, not, I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up. And so I pray that you would rise up with me to the challenge. Open up your heart to the word this morning. Uh, it's on mental health and, 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 and that you wouldn't have to suffer in silence. You got a family and you're not alone. We love you. Let this word heal your heart. In Jesus' name. Thank you for paying our debt. You know how when you owe somebody a little bit of money and maybe it's $50, maybe it's $10, maybe it's $5, I don't know, you have a little debt, maybe there's a, a debt that you owe your mom or dad or maybe you owe a friend some money. You know how it is when like you go around them and you see them and you haven't paid them yet? It's a little bit awkward, you know. You're like, you know, trying to pretend like you don't know and hoping they don't really remember, but you know you still owe them. And in your mind, you're like being nice and smiling. And it's like, hey, what's going on? And you, you maybe bring it up. You maybe don't. But the awkwardness of the interaction. Anybody? Come on. Anybody awkward? Sometimes when you owe somebody a little money and you haven't paid yet or, or when they haven't paid, anybody has owed you money before and they get around you and you don't know if you should bring it up because you know they know, but you don't know what to say because you don't want it to just be about the money, but your friendship is kind of like bad me that's how a lot of you act with God and you think that you owe God this big debt still and so Everything you do in your interaction with him is to, to try to try to kind of let him know that you know, but you know that he kind of paid for it on the cross, but you're not really sure if it's paid, and so you think you still got a little debt, so the interaction with him is kind of strange, and you feel like you got these sins, and you're like, I know I owe you God because I messed up yesterday, and I just it's just awkward, and you think God is holding those debts over you. Your debt is paid forever, forever. forever. Past, present, and future. It was not alone. You are not in the red. It is not something that you gotta do better and paying back. And I thank you for grace. But if I gotta work harder, I gotta go to church and I gotta give and I gotta know. We get to do all of it because it's all paid for. We are free, our chains are gone, and that interaction with God does not have to be weird and awkward and intimidating and, and and feeling like, oh, I just can't measure up. I think sometimes we treat grace like alone. And man, he's he's gonna come for interest oh man you better pay it back with interest you better do good the rest of your life can I tell you that we we do bad and get good because we're under Jesus grace nobody's perfect and I just I just pray today when we sang that and I, I heard that line my debt is paid the Holy Spirit said many people in here are treating my grace like an interest loan trying to pay it back with their behavior there's nothing we can do to impress Him. There's nothing we can do to impress Him. He's perfect. All we can do. Here's the only thing we can do today is just receive Him. Not, not do anything to impress Him. As we worship today, I just, I just got this on my heart for us, just that our, our debts are gone, our chains are, are off. We're in a series called Killing Me Softly and, and, and the thoughts around kind of depression that leads to suicide and 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 maybe today you're in here and uh, maybe someone invited you or this is your your first time or maybe you've been coming for a while the the reality is this maybe every every, everybody in here I'm sure is not at the place of contemplating taking their life but but we've all dealt with levels of depression we've all dealt with being down or being discouraged or being dishearted or downhearted and so it's such an epidemic in our culture we decided to take it on and speak about it and just you know, okay, God, let's get real. Let's put light on it. And so last week we looked at some thoughts about just not suffering in silence, not being alone, not not trying to battle this by ourselves. It's the second leading cause of death, suicide between the ages of 15 and 34. It's the 10th leading cause of death in our nation. And many people struggle with the thoughts of depression or being down. And so in the church, we've been silent about it and we haven't... A, allowed ourselves to be real about it because we're supposed to have joy 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 joy, and we do have joy i have joy but there's reality sometimes that we can be down and so i think us talking about it and being real about it is very important and last week we had a lot of people very thankful and very open to be able to come out with their struggle and their battle and their victories and so as we go into today i did an interview with a good friend of mine who's a a local uh specialist psychologist who actually um has his own practice here locally he attends our church and then he also uh, has worked with a lot of ut uh, some of the ut sports teams and and just a great a great guy um, and 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 we did an interview together and i'm going to show you that but the thoughts from last week were this you, you can't suffer in silence and and depression has to get you alone in order to be effective so if you look around you in this room, you're not alone. There's, there's people, there's a family, there's people you can be real with. And we're going to switch up today's service a little bit. We're going to share this video, and then I'm going to give you some scripture and some practical. The video's got some very practical tools, some very, very practical tools. No matter what level of being down maybe you have been on or are on, there's some very practical steps for you to take and look into and say, okay, I can grab that for my heart or for my life. And, and, there, and, and let me say this. A lot of times in church, we, we're coming into a head, head battle with heart weapons. You don't, you don't win the head battle with heart weapons. You win the head battle with good head battle thoughts and good weapons in your mind. And so I want you to see um, some thoughts today from this interview. Last week, we looked at Elijah's life and uh, how he would battle with discouragement. All through the scriptures, people battle with discouragement and depression. And so, so it's such a taboo thought that we've stayed away, but, but if we really read our Bibles, we'll see the, 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 the leaders and the shakers and the movers in the Bible dealt with this. And I would say, if you're stepping out into territory to do something on, on, on with God and, and working with God, you're gonna get hit with oppression and, and things coming after you because the enemy doesn't want you to, to, to be clear and, and not just be an easy path, you know what I mean? And so check out this video. It's about 20 minutes. We're gonna sit down and watch this. And then after that, I'm going to come back up and I'm going to give you some scripture. I'm going to give you a thought out of 2 Corinthians 10 and some thoughts scripturally on what this video really is saying. And I'm going to give you some Bible on it. And then we're going to go back into a time of worship at the end. We're going to have our worship team come back out. We're going to have our our prayer team and we're going to have communion at the end. So just take in some of this light from this interview real quick. I'm I'm here with my good friend, uh, Jake Levy. Uh, Jake is a a uh, licensed psychologist, he's an associate professor at the University of Tennessee, um, good friend of mine from actually Bullman's. we met uh, in training mixed martial arts, and uh, it's good to not be fighting you right now, just be <laughs> hanging out, you know, he's great, he trains jujitsu as well, and um, it's been great to get to know him over the years, we've known each other probably five oh, years, four yeah. or five years now. Yeah. Um, so in this series, we've been talking about uh, depression and, and, and suicide and some some heavy topics. It's, uh, the series is called Killing Me Softly. And um, Last week, uh, or two weeks ago, Jake and I were talking here after church and I just said, man, I'll, I'd like to get your expertise on this subject. I don't want to just, you know, obviously I, I, I know the word and I'm giving the Bible, but I also want to give, you know, a professional standpoint of um, just science and medicine. And from your, your expertise, I thought, hey, I'd call you up. Let's look at it. Uh, And just have a conversation just a dialogue and um you know sometimes it's you know we can wrestle lions and tigers and bears you know we can we can wrestle against you know cancer we can wrestle against uh you know some family problems there's so many things we can fight but when it comes to fighting your own mind or fighting yourself sometimes that's the hardest battle and so i just wanted to open it up man and let's talk about some of the things with depression suicide some of the some of the tricks uh, you know, or that, that our minds can play on us, and then how do we
1: combat those? Sure, absolutely. Um, when we perceive things, it the brain doesn't make any distinction between imaginal and react reality, like right? fiction versus reality. Wow. That it interprets it the same way. That's why dreams can be scary, or dreams can be happy. That we experience the emotion, the real emotion, through something that isn't real. You know, yeah. and and so. We can in a very real way the way we perceive the world around us shapes how we feel. First we think, then we feel. And so how First we think and then, then we, we feel. feel. And we have to make some kind of recognition, put some meaning to whatever it is that we're experiencing. And that's based on our experience, it's based on our, our lives, what we're taught, kind of how we view the world, interprets like the exact same experience. You know, a hundred people can have the exact same experience and interpret it and elicit radically different emotional feelings yeah. based on their own past history based on their own you know just way they view the world Makes sense. yeah and so the so the way we kind of see that and i'm a cognitive behavioral therapist and so for me it, it's more around kind of looking at that interplay between our thoughts, our cognitions and then ultimately that impact that it has on our behavior okay. yeah and so so our thinking driving the, thinking the behavior decisions we make right and if we can change the way we view change our perception you know, change the way our you know, kind of reframe that, it elicits kind of a different emotional response. Oh, that's yeah. good. That's what I was talking about last
0: week, perception, like right. if the enemy can get us to, to, to actually see it, mm-hmm. then he can get us to perceive it that way and then, and then begin to believe it.
1: Right. right. That's good. Yeah. And so there is, you know, as you talk about uh, depression and, and suicide is kind of the most ultimate. Kind of outcome the, of depression. Yeah. Um, a psychologist by the name of Aaron Beck coined the, coined what he termed the cognitive triad of depression. Yeah. These three statements um, that people who are profoundly or majorly depressed, clinically depressed, kind of kind of feel. And to paraphrase a little bit is, I'm bad, the world's bad, and there's nothing I can do about it. And Say, say it again I'm, I'm bad i'm bad the world's bad the whole world's bad and there's no. nothing i can do about it that's and if you really think about bad. that in absolute terms if you believe <clears throat> those three statements and kind of breaking those down a little <clears throat> bit that i'm bad i'm worthless you know i'm i'm not capable i'm somehow flawed <clears throat> yeah and i'm flawed absolutely to my core that so that's the belief okay. the world is not supportive the world is either antagonistic against me. You know, the world is not going to help me. The world is is somehow going to hurt me more. Just kind of a you general, just a pit. of yeah. people in our world, a, nothing the, good out there. Nothing good, and that I'm powerless to do. And you anything. said the people in my yeah, world too. The people are part of the world. Yeah. You know that I'm not loved. Mm-hmm. I'm not. You know, I'm not respected. I'm not valued. I'm not. You know, that the world essentially is the, the others yeah. in our environment. You know, they're either hurting us, not supporting us, neglecting us, mm-hmm. um, or somehow we perceive them to be emotionally unavailable or emotionally unsupported. And that, that third one, that there's nothing I can do about it. You know, I, I can't change that. Mm-hmm. And if those three statements, and, and, to, and we talked about before, you know, the kind of the stigma of depression and yeah. the stigma of... Especially in church world. Yeah, especially in church world. I mean, I've
0: had people say, right. and I talked about it last week, oh, suicide is the fastest way to hell. I mean, that's a crazy statement right. to me, you know. Does, or you're bad. bad if you're dealing with depression. Like, all you can experience is joy. Well,
1: we're, we have more emotions right. than one, you know. Right. Yeah, and if you believe that, that, that there's nothing I can do about it, and that you're bad, but it's bad, there's nothing you can do about it, then it almost seems rational that you would want out. You would want out. And the problem is is that by owning those statements, or kind of, those are you know, what we call in cognitive therapy, limiting thoughts. You know, there's aspects of us that are flawed. We're imperfect humans. Right. You know, there's only one divine. We're <laughs> not it, right? Yeah. You know, there are people in, in our world that aren't great yeah. for us. Whether they're great for other people is different, but they're not great for, oh, us, yeah. right? not great for us. They're not great, they're great for, for us. You. Yeah. Not great for me. And there are times where it's really challenging to do some things about it and there's certain things that we can't change. You know, that we don't we we are powerless of. Yeah. But but it's not in the absolute. And so from a cognitive therapy perspective because again if if you're foot and when you get depressed you get what's called tunnel vision or limited thinking to where you're only focused on the the stuff that's reinforcing to how bad i feel so if you're already depressed and you're thinking i'm bad the world's bad there's nothing i can do about it and you just you're looking for stuff that's going to reinforce that we all want to be right Uh, you know we all want to be right about no matter what it is we're doing and so if we feel if we feel bad then something that that helps reinforce that feeling it's 100% what you do. So you're drawing that negative reinforcement in? Absolutely, then, but it creates this vicious cycle that then brings you further down and you look for more ways that that's true more ways of that that's true until you become completely hopeless you know and then that's what leads people you know to ultimately making that that what I call a permanent solution to temporary problems. Oh wow that's good. Yeah. A permanent solution to a
0: temporary problem yeah. and, you, and you said those statements you said take
1: take those or shrink those down or poke holes in them. Yeah. You poke holes in them, and so you look for evidence again as a cognitive therapist. I want to you know talk to me about how you're bad. Are you absolutely bad? There's nothing redeeming about you at all. There's 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 no point of value that you have. There's nothing that you're proud of that you yeah. that you do or that any positive no, contribution. Yeah.
0: It's my looks. No, right. that's well, my looks. Right. Well,
1: you know, it's a it's it <laughs> It's whatever it is. Yeah. You start poking those holes. You start widening. I poke holes in that. For me. Just yeah, yeah. No, you want to keep the looks. It's all good. It's all good. Um, but you, but you poke holes in that. You poke yeah. holes. You look for those those strengths around. And and even when we, you know, when we're talking to someone who's really in the worst part of their their, their you know, maybe in the darkest part of their their life. Yeah. We look for those little light, you know, little beacons of light That's that we can, that that we can say. You know whether it be you know people in our world, our faith, our you know our you know our connections, and you know a lot of people say, well, I won't do it because my kids are too important to me. I won't do it because you know it would it would just destroy my mom. It would destroy my dad. It would you know. So those are the parts where okay, so the world's not all bad if you're willing to not make this. Yeah, not willing to make that decision. And so what then can you do about it? You start breaking, again, kind of widening the picture. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not to say that you just, you know, we mentioned earlier about kind of the happy, happy, joy, joy. It's not, we don't want to minimize that. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge what's bad because that gives us a clue to what we need to fix. If there's something you don't like about yourself, what can, what, what would you change? You know, if there's something you don't like about the people in your world or your environment, what about that can you? So, so even, you said earlier,
0: um, like that, your your mind and then and then feelings follow that, or, or you, you make decisions with your right. mind. How, how did you say that? Because it sounds like you're taking responsibility or acknowledging, right. and how you know how you feel. But then out of that acknowledgement, you can actually uh, make it. A, a
1: decision or make a different decision yeah. or you work towards it and there's a little bit of fake it till you make it the yeah. Yeah. You know, the there, there's a little fake it till you yeah. make it because even it, because those positive thoughts aren't don't feel congruent yeah you know okay. the you know the parts where I mean, if you're feeling down and despair yeah really right. you know, I mean that's how you feel yeah. but it starts you starts to lose a little bit of its power when it's well I guess I'm not I guess I'm pretty good at my job yeah. I guess I'm pretty good at this. I guess I'm pretty, you know, or, or I'm not, you know, and it's like, whoa, that's, that. it doesn't feel right? You yeah. know, you know. and invariably, and, and I see this a lot in my, in, my, in my practice, so I'll ask a person, well, you haven't felt this way forever. You know, there's been a time in your life where you didn't feel this way. Yeah. You know, what was going on during that time? Describe what was going on at that time. And usually, not always, but usually there's, there's something that they have given up, you know, a- along the way. Life gets in the way. Life gets busy. You know, we get tied up into commitments that, w- that we have. And it's like, well, you know, I used to, you know, I used to exercise a lot. Yeah. I don't exercise anymore. I used to go to church a lot. I don't go to the church anymore. I wish that God's, you know, yeah. not what it was, and they feel guilty about it. They feel guilty about not working out, not going to church, not socializing with friends, not visiting their family, not, 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 yeah. not, 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 wow. and and so and start start breaking those those things that you're not doing. Well, what's stopping you from doing X, Y, Z? And so then yeah. that starts becoming the homework. Well, what's one thing that you could do this week? that you used to do because if you start getting to that space where you did feel good felt like yourself felt like right. the person that you view yourself or want yourself to be again start acting like it again that's you great. know you know and and, again, and, and, and I'm simple. you might that. not feel like it yet I know that's it's right. it, but I mean there's yeah, a there's a lot of different pieces of it that, that step's the hardest Like that's, that's, the, first, hardest
0: that's have, the, the, the hardest step making the
1: decision team. so that your feelings will follow yeah. and, and to even make that commitment and actually go back that first time because whether it's returning to church, whether it's returning to the gym, whether it's returning to your family, whether it's returning to yeah. your friends or, or whatever, because again, those thoughts are getting in your way. Oh, they don't want me back. Mm-hmm. You know, they you know they don't want me around. Yeah. You know, they're they're going to judge me. They're going to they're going to you know, and so you start talking yourself, you know, giving yourself the excuses for why you're not start doing, doing tunnel it. Again. Tunnel vision again, and once you, and if you can support the person to kind of get them and again I don't tell people what to do you know it's more about hey, tell me when you feel good you know tell me what's well,
0: interesting you said hey tell me about and then you getting them speaking mm-hmm. what they're actually saying not loud where they can hear themselves like well yeah I'm you you said well, well tell me good what's good about you they have to acknowledge right. the pieces of light in their life and and kind of begin to widen that that tunnel to get some light in the, in the picture
1: that's good. Man. That first step back is always—it's the hardest, and um, it brings us down that that, that vicious cycle. Because I mean, it's—I try not to beat people up too much for feeling, you know, for feeling that way. Because it's a horrible. I would hate to be in a place where that became a rational decision. Yeah. You know, and, and it is. It, in that moment, it feels rational. That feels worse. Yeah. It's not rational because they're because their thinking is limited. It's flawed in the in the sense that it's it, you're only looking at it from through one lens. You're not looking at it through a, yeah. through a broader spectrum. So so
0: uh, a thought on that. How important is it is it not to not to isolate? How important is it? Obviously, you're a professional. They come. People can you know will see you. They can't. You can't go home with them. Right. You know you can't live with them. You know how important is it to have have others around your life to give you that perspective or or the right. You, you said earlier that maybe these people aren't good for my world, but these people are good for my world. You have to make, take those steps to get back into those places, but also to get the right people around you that can, are willing to you know, show the positive. And how, and how do we do that without being condescending or, or, you know, or being taking it lightly, or you know what I mean? But not also letting our friends stay in a
1: place that they might have no hope, you know? It's a balance, it seems. Yeah. And it sometimes becomes a balance sheet. Like, what are the pros and cons of having this person in your life? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, you know, what are the, and you know, as you talk about, um, yeah, you because know, again, I, I kind of let them kind of dress their life, yeah. you know, you know, let them, kinda do, you know, I've let these friends, you know, I don't associate with these people anymore, or family members, or, right. you know, if they have church family, or whatever it may exactly. be, and and I may you know, kind of talk a little bit about what kind of led to that, and usually it's, 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 you know, it's something that wasn't intentional, it just became, you know, it's just easy, it's, it, the things that are soft commitments to us, you know, yeah. you know, that we have a number of what I call hard commitments in life, you know, that we're supposed to work, you right. know, and so work becomes a commitment, you know, from every, And you know, if we had you know, family, then that becomes a little bit more of a harder commitment, the time that yeah. we need to share with them. And so they, those kind of extraneous extended family in, in our world, you know, become a little bit more, they're commitment, they're, ne- they're necessary, but they're somewhat of a, what's called soft commitment, that there's not a hard time that I have to see them. Makes sense. You know, and you start trying to see about well, you know, so, oh, you know, we'll, we'll get together when we have a chance, Right. you know, and right. if we wait for that, you know, and, and I'm a big planner. And so for me, is if I'm going to see somebody, I need to know when. I'm a busy guy, you know. It's like let's figure it out. Let's figure out a time because if I, if it's important enough for us to do it, let's make time, you know, for you know for for that to happen. Let's schedule that time. What makes what makes sense for us? If we say we're going to have dinner, what day? Mm-hmm. Those know? simple things yeah. that we think, like you said, that we might think are the. Those are easy. Those are commitments that we can make easily, but some people right. they're soft and it just never gets around to. And usually I start kind of one at a time, you know, because I don't want to overwhelm the person. You yeah. know, I, I let them kind of drive it. They tell me what they think is reasonable. You know, yeah. if, you, if you could change one thing this week, what's the, mo- what's the easiest thing to change? That's cool. You know, sometimes people want to change the, the most important thing, but sometimes the most important thing is the That's hardest easy. thing. Yeah. You know, when we start cleaning our house, you know, when I think about cleaning my house, I got the whole house to clean. I'm not starting with the thing I hate to do the most. That's right. Because I, I ain't doing it first. Right. You know, I have no momentum for it. So, starting, you, yeah, they want to fix their whole life,
0: save it all that one day versus right. saying, okay, let me just get to the gym on Monday and Wednesday.
1: Yeah. Let me start just there. at yeah. noon. Right. It, you know, here's what start with That's that. Great. You know, and then, you know, it may not be what you were doing back when you were doing it, you know, but it gets you, it's better than nothing. Yeah, and it starts to create some of momentum. Okay, I'll, I'll one day I will, um, I was just having this conversation with one of my clients a couple of weeks ago. It's like, you know, you're you're kind of stuck in this, you get up, you go to work, you come home, you go to bed. Right. You know, that's your life. You get up, you go to work, you don't really like your job. Yeah. You come home and you go to bed, just so you can get up and get up, and go to your job that you don't like, come home and go to bed again. It's pretty pressing. You know, and so how can we now, I'm telling you, quit your job, right. you, know, you know, we can kind of work on that piece later, but what can we get from the point that you get home to make, even if you have to suck up a job that's not 100% where you want to be, yeah. and make the rest of your day, you only work in eight hours, it's not 16, you're going to sleep some, you know, but what? Yeah. There's, there, you have some time in there. Could, eight hours sleep, yeah, so. right. So we got eight That's hours, nine hours and that can but be still third is still, you know, boom, 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 yeah. you know? And so how can, what can we make that, that time that you are? So it's not just coming home Staying by yourself, yeah. sitting in the dark, dreading the next day, That's tough. You, you know? Yeah. And so what would be the first step for that? You know, connecting with one person, you know, doing one thing again, kind of building on their own history. What did you used to do? What did you do when you didn't feel this way? I and mean, you've had a job for a while. You know what, did, what? What did you do when you didn't feel this way? Well, I was going, you know, going out with my friends, eating some dinner. I was going to the gym. I was, you know, walking the dog. I was, you know, I was doing whatever it was.
0: little
1: things. It's the little things. You know, it's, and it's, those little things collectively start adding up. And it's just, and, and you start adding, especially the more that you can do socially, because you had talked about that. And That's really important. That kind of social isolation piece yeah. to depression is huge. Okay. Um, you know, that if you can connect, we're social beings. Yep. We, need, we need that connection, we feel that connection. We do have to be mindful about the people that we have around us, because I mean, the reality is, is there are some people that do help bring us down, yeah. you know? And and so we can talk about that too, in terms of the positives and negatives, and, pros and cons about having certain people in our lives. And yeah, make wise decisions. Right, and, and you know, some of that we have some control over, some of that we have. So, some some of it too, you said that we, we like to be right.
0: It just hit me when you said that. You said we like to be right, and so we can focus on the, the the negative to reinforce how bad we are. So is that why people go to those relationships sometimes and continue reinforcing that type of
1: relationship or that type of habit or to keep reinforcing that this is who they are, it definitely feels mood congruent. Yeah. You know, it's like you know, see, I told you the world's bad. Yeah. You know, I I, I told you that that I'm bad. That I'm bad. So the messages that they're telling me feel very congruent. Wow. You know, That's and it. so and it, it's and depending on how long they've kind of struggled with this, you know that that it it becomes a habit. Yeah. You know, and it's hard to break. Why do problems. I keep going back to the hamburger? <laughs> that's what I want
0: to know hamburger loves you the <laughs> hamburger loves me I cannot stay away from the double cheeseburger yeah. Uh, yeah man uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate your time and your thought around it I think for me you know, knowing the battle knowing the, the isolation knowing what people will face you know, giving a, a, an open dialogue in a church setting even and having a friend like you coming in here and just giving your time man, I'm so thankful for oh, that um, and, and I think even we were talking about how to pull those thoughts down, I, I think just what you said, if you could take just some of what he said today, we'll have it online, we'll have resources, we continue to put resources up online for you, um, if you've struggled with anything, look, there's no condemnation, there's no uh, judgment, man, we are here to offer grace, hope, um, you know, uh, we're all on a journey, like I said last week, I'm on the way, everyone said, "Why well, aren't you there yet? I'm on the way, some of the statements that Jake said today, it's an on-the-way process, pick something, and and I love what he said about taking those three absolute statements that sometimes we carry, that, that I'm no good, I'm worthless, the, the world is no good, and, and I can do nothing about it. Taking those and just beginning to poke some holes in those and find the, the light inside of those dark moments and get people around you. We're here as a church. We're here as a family. There's, there's so many resources. So many people love you. And uh, I'm thankful for you. It's an honor to get to hang out with you today. And, and I appreciate it so much. Awesome. Come on, did that, did that help? I just think there was so many so many practical uh, thoughts in that, and I'm, I'm going to give you a verse, and then um, we're going to go back into worship for a moment. And I, I, again, I don't know where, where you are and what your battle is, um, and and I want to keep reinforcing, man, this is a place of grace. Uh, your debt's been paid, and and so those, those lies of uh, and the enemy the enemy always operates in in darkness and in lies. I mean. Uh, he never traffics in truth. He only traffics in darkness. And so uh, he would tell us that we're worthless or, or we're hopeless or the lies he throws at us. You know, my kids are this or, you know, my family's this. And it's, you can have these statements and no one cares. No one's going to help me. And it's, you know, I, there's nothing I can do about it. That'll drive you to a place that is pretty tough. That's why the word of God is so important. You, you've got, you have to, I think we're in a day and age where um, the word of God is is minimal and and, and the battles we face are, are maximum. And you've got, you've got to know the word of God. You've got to have it as a weapon. The Bible says in Second in, in Corinthians, Paul's talking. I'm going to read you out of the ESV version. I don't do that much. Um, but Paul says this in Second in, in Corinthians 10. Many of you have read this verse. Uh, it's 3 through 5. He says this, for though we walk in the flesh, that means just, uh, you know, as we walk around living this life, we live in the flesh. We're not waging war according to the flesh. Uh, The word war there is not like a battle. It's actually a campaign. It says we're not waging this campaign. So so the enemy's battle against the kingdom of light and and God's kingdom is not uh, one battle. There's actually a campaign against God's kingdom. The enemy has a campaign. It's an ongoing campaign. If you said yes to Jesus, you're in an ongoing campaign. You're in an ongoing war. You're in an ongoing battle. And so sometimes we forget we're in this battle. And uh, he says that our weapons are... Are, are mighty. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power, theos, have uh, divine power in God, horizontal power from God to destroy strongholds. Uh, one other translation says to cast down strongholds. I like this translation. It says to destroy strongholds. Verse five, we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion. Look at that. We destroy arguments. That's the stuff that Jake, Jake was talking about, arguments in the mind. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. So these lofty opinions, one translation says in, in, in verse 5, it says not destroying, um, not destroying arguments. It says casting down imaginations. So, so two different translations relate imaginations and, and arguments the same. Many times, our, our imaginations become our arguments. Okay, so an imagination can become an argument in your mind. And, and something he said earlier, I've heard a, a pastor say this, that a lot of times, depression is anger turned inward. You know, he said, you know, we feel guilty, and we begin to be upset that we're not doing this and not doing that, and we're like this, or we're in this boat, or our finances. We begin to have this anger, and we turn it inward, and it hits to a place of depression. It's saying that we can destroy... Imaginations, the way we see things Sometimes uh, we, the way we see it's not the way it is And so we get these perceptions or imaginations Come on, we're in a society of image, right? Sometimes right, today, in this day and age Many times image is more real than reality, right? Come on, you look at somebody's social media, their Facebook, you think, man, that's real And my life is, you know, terrible Their life is good, we buy into image Sometimes we'll protect the image in our mind At the expense of truth And so he's saying that we can destroy arguments or images in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And listen to this, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Or taking every thought into captivity to obey Jesus. So I I just, a couple of thoughts from this. Let me pray with you real quick before I jump in. And then I'm just going to give you some thoughts from the scripture and we're going to worship. Father, I just pray you open our minds today, open our hearts. Holy Spirit, dig into our minds um, we're a three-part being. I thank you that you gave us a mind, a will, and emotions. I think you gave us a body and a spirit. Lord, we don't just focus on just the spirit. We focus on our soul. We, we care for each other's souls, God. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you you fill our spirit. We're wall-to-wall God in our spirit. And that we pray today that you would let that thing channel to our mind and continue to, to, to reconstruct our thinking in ways so that we can see your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I think... Um, I wasn't going to share this, but it's very interesting. The Old Testament tabernacle—is this okay? Can I teach a little bit to you guys today? So, the Old Testament tabernacle was set up uh, in the wilderness of God's people, and it moved. And then the New, the new Testament temple, or the, the temple uh, when you, when they moved—not necessarily New Testament—when they moved from tabernacle to temple, the 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 main there was a difference uh, in a piece of the tabernacle and the temple, and it was a porch. There was a porch on the temple. And the porch actually can be translated like channel, or or like a like a a channel of where thoughts would flow. And if you, many studies and theologians have studied out saying it's actually the mind. It's actually it was all the spiritual in the tabernacle and all these pieces. But in the New Testament, there's actually power to receive spiritual direction into your thinking and have your mind, will, and emotions direct your life if that makes sense it was interesting I'm not I don't get real weird about it but there was just like this this different ability in the Holy Spirit now in you to direct your mind you before the Holy Spirit was in you you could not direct your you you didn't have any we didn't have there was no power internally to direct our mind will and emotions that make sense and so now, with the Holy Spirit in us, we've got the power. We sometimes, here's the thing. Sometimes we focus all on spirit. Jump, jump, praise. Woo! Jump, jump, praise. Yeah! Woo! I love all that. Yeah, Jesus. Pray in tongues. Do all that. Okay, woo! I said the word tongues. Okay, don't get scared. Yeah, whatever. Just pray. Uh, believe God. Worship. Do all that. Uh, spirit. Feed your spirit. But we neglect. We neglect our mind. And, and we, come into, we come into a mental battle with heart weapons. And heart weapons are not gonna heal the mental battles that we face. You've got to get the word of God. You've got to have a battle in your mind and take control of that thing and so here's what he's saying paul's saying the battles for your mind god wants your mind we worship the lord with our mind god wants your mind and satan wants your mind the reason the enemy wants your mind so much is because your mind is your garden of eden your mind is the place that the promises of god are planted you, you begin to let the Word of God and the promises of God plant into your mind. And as they're planted into your mind, you begin to think on those things and, and, and meditate on those things. The Bible says meditate. Have this mind in you, the mind of Christ. Let this mind also be in you. And we neglect our mind, and this, and this thought process begins to, to culminate. And then out of the mind, out of that thought, we begin to speak. And whatever I can tell you what you're thinking about by what you're saying. And, and, and thoughts are, 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 are passive, but words are active. And so the enemy wants your mind so he can get you thinking a certain way. So you'll begin to speak. I'm worthless. The world's no good. I'll never advance in my job. My kids won't amount. I can't. And you begin to say things. And now you begin to see what you're saying. And so the enemy wants your mind so he can get you thinking a certain way. Paul's saying, we have this power to destroy strongholds. So the word strongholds, he's talking to Christians in 2 Corinthians. The word strongholds is this. They're fortified castles of thought in your mind. They're actually subconscious thought patterns that the enemy has fortified in your thinking. So you've just kind of thought that way so long that now it actually has walls around it. And it's become a stronghold. Why is it a stronghold? Because it has a stronghold on our thinking. And he's saying that we've been given weapons to destroy those strongholds. It's very interesting. The word destroy does not actually, we would think. The word destroy doesn't mean blow it up. The word destroy means dismantle. That you—it's piece by piece. We think it's an instantaneous thing. It's a—it's not an event. It's a process. It's over time. It's getting into the word. It's talking to friends. It's getting in community. It's reinforced with the word of God. And so we begin to dismantle these arguments that that the enemy or these strongholds the enemy sets up. You heard Jake say it. He said, "Just begin to poke holes in those absolute statements in your mind. I'll never be—I'll never be successful. I can never." Because in your mind is where all the promises of prosperity, or life, or or health, and all these things begin to settle in your mind. Are y'all following me? And so we think we wanna destroy it instantly. No, there's this process. We dismantle the foundation. If you go after a foundation of a a castle, you go after a foundation of a house, it has to come down. And so what are the foundations? He says, we destroy strongholds with weapons, and here's what we do. Casting down imaginations, or destroying imaginations, or destroying arguments. Hear, Hear me, imaginations become arguments in your mind. Let me show you how it works. The other day, um, I ordered some gifts for some friends and they were coming to our office just last week, a couple days ago. And uh, the gift was very valuable. There were two of them, but it was, they were going to come in a small box. I did it through FedEx. And so um, I had to, someone had to sign for it, right? And, and the, the value of it was about $600 in that box. So they were being signed for, there was insurance, all that kind of stuff. But, but the box was going to be pretty small in my imagination. And so... Uh, it was supposed to be delivered Thursday at four 30, but at 1230, I got a ding on my phone that said, Hey, FedEx had de- has delivered your package. I'm like, yeah, I start driving to the office and it says signed for by P Anderson. I'm like, who is P Anderson? There's no P. Anderson that works for, at my office. There's no P. Anderson. This, what's going on? So I run in there. There's a, a, a little, uh, you know, kiosk in the offices over there, in the, in the building behind here. And there was boxes, about 10 boxes on top of it, all these different big boxes. And I'm looking through there. I'm like, man, there's no, well, there's no, my, my, my thing's not here. $600. Who's P. Anderson? I don't know P. Anderson. Somebody stole my stuff. P. Anderson's got my stuff. I open up the kitchen. We have some people that rent the kitchen from us. I open up the kitchen. I'm like, Allison, did you, do you have a P. Anderson that works here? She's like, no. I'm like, did y'all sign for anything? She's like, no. I'm like, man, it's not here. P- okay, whatever. I call FedEx. I'm like, somebody signed. Can anybody sign? Y'all just let anybody sign? I start going off on FedEx. You know, I'm mad. I'm like, really? Is that how it works? Just, does, wouldn't it have to be me? Like, where? I'm like, no, sir. I mean, someone signed for you. I'm like, did they act like they knew me? I mean, what, how, how is this happening? I said. Man, I don't know P. Anderson. We don't have a P. Anderson here. You better file a claim. This is wrong. They're like, well, sir, let me talk to the driver. They call the driver. Driver calls me. He's like, sir, I was there. I'm like, uh-huh. Are you the regular driver? He's like, no, this is my last day. I'm filling in. I'm like, this sucker stole. This is P. Anderson. <laughs> I'm thinking it in my, I'm like, this is not, okay. I'm like, all right. I was like, you aren't even, where'd you go, man? He's like, I went to the little office and I went in, right? Let me just explain to you. I went in, there's a little desk, there's all these boxes on top. I'm like, yeah. He goes, there's a little kitchen to the right? I'm like, yeah. He says, this little guy comes out of the kitchen and he signs for it. I'm like, oh man, are you sure? I'm like, okay. All right. That's right. That is the whole place. That's what it looked like. You were at the right place. I guess. I don't know. I said, who's P. Anderson? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> he's like, P. Anderson signed for it. I said, like, well, it wasn't me. I said, what do you look like? I said, tall, you know, short, black, white. He's like, oh, white dude. I'm like, okay. Okay. And I said, what'd you, what, what'd you, you know, and I'm trying to think of all the guys that work in there and I'm like, what? and then I was like, what do you say he looked like? He's like, you know, he's like about my height. He's like black dude. I'm like, oh, you just changed it. I'm like, you just changed it, man. You're trying to blame the black dude. That's a lie. You're a liar. You stole it. I knew he, I'm like, I'm in my mind. I'm getting my arguments, right? They're building up. So finally, I call, I do a claim with the company, all this. The dude, the dude, the FedEx dude pulls back up after work in his regular work truck. He's like, I'm going to figure it out, man. I came here. I know. He's like, come here. He's looking around, he's like, I was right here and I was there. I'm like, I'm like, man, I'm thinking you stole it, man. I'm thinking the FedEx guy stole it. How do I know? I mean, I told him. I said, mom, I'm like, what well, do I? You blaming everybody? He's like, well, where are those packages? I'm like, they're right over here in my secretary's truck. Open up the, open up the trunk. He digs in. Oh, Jamie Goldenberg right there. There you go. <laughs> I'm like, and it's this big, giant package. It's right there. In my imagination... I'd had it set up like a little small package. And the enemy reinforced my image with a false signature. I didn't know P. Anderson. We still don't know who that is. <laughs> but but that's that's exactly how the enemy operates. And he, he will, you'll get an image in your mind of something and the enemy will begin to sign on the dotted line to reinforce what you think happened and you'll begin to form arguments and you'll begin to blame everybody and blame yourself and get into this rabbit hole. And, and all you've got to do is open the trunk and put some light on it and begin to look around and go, okay, wait a minute. He says that we need to get light on it. It says that we can destroy arguments. Listen, in every lofty thing or lofty opinion, a lofty opinion is when you take your opinion over God's opinion. When you begin to decide that you can do it your way and your opinion, and the word lofty opinion, it actually means like a room divider. You ever seen a room divider? They go up real, real high, and it, it hinders the flow of traffic in a room. It hinders the visibility in a room. It says that these lofty opinions that we get go up high and hinder the vis- visibility of the, of the light of God. And so it begins to divide the spirit of truth that wants to flow to us. These lofty ideas divide us from God's truth. And the enemy traffics in darkness, right? And you and I do not have the equipment to operate in darkness. We don't we do not in my bedroom i've got a bed that's been in the same spot for years i get up to go to the restroom and about twice a month i run into the corner of that bed in the middle of night and about give myself a contusion on my thigh (laughs) scream cry cuss do everything you can imagine my wife's like you okay i'm like (laughs) i hit it again it's I i don't know i'm gonna walk again I, i can't i can't see in the dark the enemy can see in the dark That's why lions are predators at night. That's why cats hunt at night. And these, these predators have night vision and their prey doesn't. So the thing is we focus on the dark so much when God said, no, focus on the light. Jesus says, I am the light of the world and there is no darkness in me. The way to destroy these arguments and opinions is get more light on it. Get people in your life. Get the word of God in your life. Poke holes in it. Today, some of you need light. You have these arguments and these lofty opinions and these things about yourself or the world around you. And you really, that's why we worship and sing out loud because it directs our thinking and it begins to change our heart and change our mind. And I just want to encourage you, listen, like you are, there's no, there's no judgment. There's no, um, there, it's, it's pure grace. And hear, hear me, grace is not a principle. Grace is a person. Grace is Jesus. Your debt is paid. Any downheartedness, any depression. Lucifer is constantly trying to exalt himself. Hear me, it says these opinions. I'm I'm gonna show you one more thing and then we're gonna worship. We got about 20 minutes in here. It says that these opinions and these lofty opinions, they try to exalt themselves. Listen to what it says. They try to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Satan's always wanted to exalt himself above God. If you read all the scriptures about satan he says i will ascend i will exalt myself i will he never could exalt himself above god he couldn't so what he does is exalt himself above what we know about god he can't exalt himself above god but he can exalt himself in our mind above what we know about god the battles for what you know about god You know God's a healer. You know God's merciful. You know God's a forgiver. You know God gives you a million chances. You know your sin's been paid for. You know your debt is taken care of. You know that he wants to give you life and give you a future. You know he wants to heal your family. You know he wants to give you self-control. And there's nothing that's ever come against you that's strange that no man has not faced every temptation. He gives a way of escape. You know these things about God. And so Satan wants to get into our mind and exalt himself above what we know about God. And if he can do that, then he can get us discouraged and, and depressed and isolated, and hopeless. Ultimately, he wants us off the planet. And if he can beat us with a message, he never has to show up. So he comes at us with a threat and with a message that tries to mess with our minds. It says that we can destroy those. And here's what I want to encourage you. It says lastly in this, that we destroy strongholds, that we destroy arguments and imaginations that we destroy high lofty thoughts and opinions that aren't about aren't the word and sometimes like jake said it's not going to be congruent with how you feel so it's hard to do sometimes because we're so down or we we feel discouraged david did it all the time he's like why are you so downcast oh my soul but if you read david's uh, downcast moments he always comes back to moments of this verbal praise and this verbal exaltation of god and it begins to pull him out of that moment begin to poke holes in the in the arguments of the enemy with some light and what's have you ever seen have you ever turned on a a a light switch and and there was a battle between light and darkness no you walk into a room you flip the light switch on light you never see like this wrestling match like darkness is okay what it's no no no. you just flip the switch and darkness dissipates in the room That's, that's what happens when we begin to focus in worship and on the light of god darkness begins to have to be pushed out because light wins every time. Darkness can't overcome light. And the last thing he says is this, and taking captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. Taking captive, as we worship today, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take captive thoughts in your mind, whatever those thoughts. You've probably been thinking of today as you've heard Jake and you heard me and you're hearing this word. As you begin to take these thoughts captive, here's where we go wrong. We think taking a thought captive means killing it. It doesn't say you kill the thought as Christians we think we got to kill the thought we should never have that thought that thought can't be there I got to kill the thought it doesn't say kill the thought it says control the thought before the thought kills you it says that we take it captive to the obedience of Christ that that literally God uh, has power If Jesus rules and reigns why are we allowing a thought to reign in our mind and rattle our life and mess with our days if Jesus really rules and reigns this thought can't rule and reign it's got about and so sometimes we want the thought to be destroyed, but he doesn't say that in the end. He says, Take everything. after you destroy arguments, after you destroy strongholds, after you destroy certain things, thoughts are still going to keep coming and we get depressed or down. Like, why am I still thinking that way? He says, no, 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 no. Just get into a battle of controlling those thoughts quickly, putting them in handcuffs, not just meditating on those thoughts. Get them under control. It doesn't say kill every thought. It says control the thought before it can kill you. If we can control the thought, it can't kill us. As we worship today, this is what I to, want you to do. I just want you to focus on light. I just want you to just say, okay, be honest. I think I think some of it is like, okay, here's this stronghold. Here's this, this way of thinking. Here, This thing has been really steadfast in my mind. I need you to bring this down, God. I'm going to worship out loud. I'm going to sing. I'm going to poke some holes in this thing. I'm going to declare who I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. There is no sin. You, you don't see my sin. You've made me the righteousness of God. Jesus, you became sin all sin so that I could be right with God that God is not mad at me that I can be above and and beyond I can be successful, I'm an overcomer I'm not going to be destroyed I'm not going to be desolate, I'm not going to be dismayed God will not let me down he didn't bring you this far to leave you he didn't bring you this far to let you down he didn't bring you this far far for you to just to die and it to be over come on you weren't meant to to cut and to kill and for death you weren't meant for depression you weren't created to be downcast all the time come on it happens but we're going to go after those arguments and go after that stuff come on stand up with me let's worship god for a minute take a minute and just pray for you i hope that word just spoke to your heart and actually spoke to your spirit pray that your soul is is better from hearing it there's a lot of practicals on just just mental health and practicals on on some things to do if you're facing depression or suicide and I know so many of us are facing different emotions and different feelings in this season I'm believing that we're coming out of that I believe that God's got hope for us and today listen no matter how dark it is no matter how deep of a pit you're in listen to me Jesus is deeper No no matter how how low you feel like you are, Jesus is below that and can reach you in the lowest point. Jesus is much deeper and broader and wider than anything that you've ever faced or can comprehend. And so if you're at that moment today where you're ready to reach out and call out to him, there's help for you. There's people that wanna pray with you and believe with you. Like I said before, you don't have to suffer in silence. That's the whole point of this message, the whole point of the church, the whole point of our community is not just to get together once a week and and sing some songs. It's for a family It's so that people don't have to suffer in silence and don't have to even celebrate alone. Come on, sometimes no one should have to suffer in silence or celebrate alone. That's why we're a family. That's why we're together. And so today, listen to me, if you're suffering in silence, if you've got some things you need prayer for, would you just type in the chat right now, I need prayer, pray for me. If you have anything that you're facing, maybe, maybe you just, it's too much with all of the divide and the, and the pain and the hurt that you're seeing in our nation and, and you've been feeding on the news and you've been feeding on all the different things you've seen and maybe you're just grieving so much that, man, I, you can't take it by yourself. Come on, type, type it in. I need prayer, I need help. Reach out to me. Somebody would love to reach out to you and, and pray with you or get you some information or invite you to be a part of our family and community. We're a family. This is a family. This is the house of God. It's not church. It's a family. So we'd love to invite you into that family. The Bible says that God sets the lonely into families. You don't have to suffer in silence. You don't have to suffer alone. I want to pray for you if that's you today. And then I want to pray for those of you that have never surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe maybe for whatever reason you've just never said yes to Him as your Lord and Savior. You've never become a Christian. And becoming a Christian doesn't mean cleaning your life up or fixing yourself or or going to church or checking all the boxes to be clean enough to go to church. I hear people say it all the time. Well, I'll go to church once I get my life together. That's not how it works. It's not about that. It's about surrendering your life. It's about taking all of your mess and all of your sins and mistakes and giving them to Jesus who died for those, and rose from the dead and did so to give you a brand new life. If that's you today and you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus, we're not going to be perfect we never will be but we're gonna be surrendered we're gonna be obedient we're gonna give him our life and give him the control of our life and believe that he is God and that he can lead our life and that he died for our sins if that's you if you want to make a fresh start today 2nd Corinthians five seventeen says this if you would surrender your life to Christ you get a fresh start in God come on some of you might need a fresh start today you might need a brand new beginning with God if that's you it's as simple as saying yes to Jesus gonna pray for you if you need a fresh start would you just type fresh start in the box right now right there in the chat just type fresh start we've got some information we'll send you we've got a free resource we're gonna to get to you some people that would love to pray with you if you don't if you don't want them to reach out to you or send that that's fine as well you can type fresh start and type leave me alone <laughs> I don't know but we just want to love you and and just pray for you and believe God that that you aren't too far for him to reach come on pray with me right now would you just bow your heads and open your hearts Father, thank you so much for giving us your presence, giving us your Spirit. Thank you for giving us the church—a family, God—not a building, not a not a club, but a family. All different backgrounds, all different types of people, all different cultures. Lord, that none of us have to suffer in silence. That there would be a safe place for people to to grieve and to and to talk and to start a conversation and to share their hurts and their past and their their present and their hopes and their dreams. God, I pray for those individuals right now that are suffering in silence and they would type in, I need prayer and that we could reach out to them right now today. I pray that you would go and you would comfort. You are the comforter, Holy Spirit. You are the one that comforts and heals and guides and and leads us. Holy Spirit, show up right now. We're not enough unless you come. And then for those of you that that need a fresh start, I want to pray for you just to surrender to Jesus right now there's no magic in the prayer I'm going to pray but if you would just pray this with me I believe that God's going to meet you right where you are like he promises no matter what you're in or what you've done or how how far you've strayed no matter what it looks like Jesus is not done with you he loves you he's madly in love with you he's not mad at you and he wants to meet you right there today it just takes you calling out to him and saying yes Jesus I surrender you're my God and you're my Savior would you pray with me Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I believe that you are God and that you died for my sins on that cross 2,000 plus years ago. I believe that you rose from the dead to give me a brand new life. I ask you right now into my life. I ask you to be my Lord and to be my Savior. Fill me with your spirit. Give me a brand new heart. I promise to serve you to the best of my ability the rest of my life. In Jesus mighty name amen 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 come on what a great morning what a great decision you just made right there in your living room if you need prayer come on continue to type prayer into the chat box if you made a fresh start type that into the chat box as well we want to reach out to you and just say how much we love you and uh, how much how proud we are of you for making those decisions we are going to be online again next week and then june the 14th we're going to regather all together as god's people there's just something different about worshiping together in the house of god and so i can't wait to see you i love you so much i'm proud of you as a church we're going to continue to bring god's voice to this culture in jesus name love you transformation